funky, just sulky, over funky, kinda hunky, superhero, hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero, and exotically erotic and aquatic superhero, the viral superheroes have arrived. Hello, welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. I am Devin Faraci, and I'm one of the hosts of this particular program. Joining me, as he always does... I am Derek Faraci, and I didn't look up a thing to say uh, ahead of time. So, I meant oh, to. letting the fans down. I know. I had. One, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to do the, the beefy boy from I Think You Should Leave, but I can't remember the exact name of it, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I forgot what it was. Like the big beefy boys, or big brawny boys, like whatever that. it is. Yeah. The big beefy boy competition. Yeah. Uh, we just recorded, if you're listening to this right now, we just recorded last night a uh, two-hour, 40-minute podcast about Black Widow. And if you're listening to Marvel Vision, you might be a Marvel Studios person, I'm assuming. And you're kind of maybe maybe interested in hearing what we have to say about Black Widow. That's the place to do it. It's a podcast that we do once a month called Watchmen. And it is a deep dive into superhero movies. And this month's episode is about Black Widow. It is two hours and 40 minutes. It is available only to subscribers on the Patreon. The Patreon in this case is www.patreon.com slash cinema sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A. And uh, it's at $5 and above. And at that level, you get Watchmen once a month a deep dive into superhero movies. It's going to include in the future Shang-Chi, The Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home. But you're also going to get The Bad Batch, our weekly Star Wars TV show podcast. And if they ever make another Star Wars movie, maybe we'll do in a special episode or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Should they ever make another movie? But I think it's worth it. And we're getting really good feedback on this very long, very intense episode about Black Widow, where we bicker much like the family in the movie bickers. And we go for about 30 minutes longer than the movie. <laughs> I think more than 30 minutes longer than I, the movie. I, according to IMDb, the movie is two hours and 13 minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Uh, so that's this show. To be fair, we spend a good like 15 minutes talking about something that has nothing to do with the movie. So. That's I can't, usual. I can't remember what it was, but we go on a rant about somebody else. That's usual, though, isn't it? Yep. All right. Um, what do we got this month? Well, this week, I should say, on uh, Marvel Vision. Uh, we got a lot of news. We've got uh, uh-huh. Kevin Feige. This is not very shocking, but I guess it's news. Kevin Feige says that uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more of Val in in Marvel. So. Don't worry about That's that. That's Julia, Julia Louise Dreyfus, who appears in both Black Widow and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah. So she's going to be showing up more. So get ready for that. Uh, the writer of Black Widow has responded to fans being pissy about Taskmaster, which I don't know if we wanted to give spoilers for Black Widow. In, no, in we the talk news, about so. that in the actual yeah. Watchmen episode. So I would say go become a $5 and above subscriber and you will hear us talk about Taskmaster and about some of the changes made to the character. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess we are going to do spoilers about Black Widow in here. Oh, I guess that is a spoiler. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. (laughs) You might want to bleep that out or something. Oh, boy. All right. 
Anything else? Yes. Uh, Don Cheadle has been talking a little bit about the War Machine show that's coming, Armor okay. Wars. And it's really going to go deep into uh, War Machine's journey. We're going to learn a lot about, about Rhodey. And deep inside James Rhodes. D- deep inside James Rhodes. adult film coming yeah. this fall. And he's going to have to work hard to uh, earn that uh, Emmy nomination for three minutes of work, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm excited about Armor Wars. I think it'll be cool. I'm excited. I'm I excited. I I think it'll be cool, but I think it'll be cool. I have a standing belief that uh, Don Cheadle should be nominated for everything he does. He's the greatest actor of our time. So I'm all for anything with him in it. I'm, I'm there. I watch it. I'm down, you know? So I, I am the vice president of the Don Cheadle SUNY purchase fan club. So that's how that works out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I think it's the Don Cheadleness of it all that makes it so intriguing. Right. I mean, that's really yeah. what, so you, you know letting, who hates what? Don Cheadle? Who? Our father and sister. Think about that. Truly weird. Yep. They, they, it came up when they came to visit me. It came up that I said something about Don Cheadle, and they were both like, oh, I don't like him at all. It's like, do they know who Don Cheadle is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I made sure. I was like, are we talking about the same guy? That's really crazy. Yep. Do you know, somebody did a review of um, Space Jam 2 from a site <laughs> called Money, Money Geek. And in the review, which is a very positive review of Space Jam 2, uh, they said uh, that one of the highlights is Don Cheadle, who they um, they don't know any of his work outside of Marvel, which well, is so crazy do. to me. But they do. How do they know? Because in that little snippet that I saw on, on Twitter, at least, it says, I only know him from the Marvel work. And then two sentences later, it's like, I've seen many of his other films. So... I think they mean other than Marvel. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think, I don't know. I'd have to go look up the exact quote, but it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. You know, I mean, like what's really crazy about Don Cheadle is that, and I'm going to make a, um, I'm going to make a big claim here now. In one of the great movies of all time, one of the greatest movies anybody's ever made that is jammed with some of the greatest characters ever created played by some of the best actors to ever grace the screen, Don Cheadle might be the, like the secret best one of them all as Buck Swope in Boogie Nights. Yeah. I, I, I would not disagree. Like I love everybody in Boogie Nights, but like Buck is the perfect example of a character who is just threaded in enough to make you wish he was in it so much more. Yes. And Cheadle brings so much to that character and there's so much humanity to that character. He's so beautiful. That donut shop scene is the tensest scene in all of cinema history for me because I love Buck so much. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So hopefully this money geek person has a chance to someday see um, Boogie Nights. Or any of the 500 other movies and shows that he's in. Yes, well, that too. But, yeah. I mean, Boogie Nights is pretty great. It is. It's not my favorite of his, but it's it's good. All right, what other news we got? Uh, Marvel got a lot of Emmy nominations. They sure did. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, well, they got That's not interesting to me. Is that, I mean, that's not that interesting. Is it interesting to you? I, no, no. I, I, I yeah. think Don no, I'm Cheadle, just cooking you brought it up, you know? Yeah. I think Don Cheadle getting nominated for Falcon Wonder Soldier, but uh, other people not getting nominated for it is weird. 
But beyond it's, that. It's real weird. It's a real weird nomination, and it doesn't really make – I think even Don Cheadle was sort of like, huh, okay. Yeah. yeah. As somebody somebody mentioned in, in my on Twitter to me, it was like, maybe they only sent the first episode in for nominations? <laughs> because, like – Nobody who shows up, like, it's very weird. It's just a weird thing, you know. But so we got that. Uh, Black Widow passed 100 million at the box office. So, congratulations. We, we, and we talk about that quite at length in the yeah. Black Widow episode of uh, Watchmen. So, I highly recommend joining at the $5 and above level at the Patreon. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see what we got. We got uh, a Hot Toys put out an image of a Spider Man No Way Home suit. That is black and gold, and it looks like it's got some Doctor Strange magic stuff going on with it. Yeah, I'm very curious about this image. I'm very curious about this new suit. It's kind of cool looking. I kinda, it is cool I kind of dig it. You know what's funny is that once upon a time when they gave Spider-Man the black suit, I was scandalized as like a child. In, in 1986? Yeah, I was scandalized. Okay. Because Spider-Man has the most iconic costume outside of Superman, right? So like, um, and it's like a perfect costume. Uh, and when they gave him the black suit, I was scandalized, but I t- came to love it. And then over the years, they gave him other different suits, and I kind of sometimes would really hate it. Like I really hate his suit with the with the extra spider legs. I hate that the gold spider suit. Yeah, yeah. Although terrible. I do love when Spider Man grew an extra pair of arms. Yes, that was great. That was yeah. great. Um, so I have become agnostic about new Spider Man costumes because I've come to understand that it's, in the end, he always comes back to the general old one yeah um so i'm glad to see them having a little bit of fun with some kind of special magic costume well i mean in the movies he changes his costume every movie right, right. so it, you know they always got to change the costumes so they can sell different toys yes got to make those funkos kind of take care of that and then finally and i think this is pretty big news uh deadpool and korg did an ad for free guy which is pretty weird yeah, I wonder how they signed off on that. How that all worked? I that I mean, Free Guy is a Fox movie, so Disney owns it. Obviously, no, I know, but like, but, how, like what but was the process? Like, yeah, like, like it's so interesting that that Marvel is like, yeah, you guys can do that. That's fine, and like, kind of just like being like, yeah, Deadpool. I mean, obviously, it's not in continuity, but like, yeah, Deadpool's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Here you go. Like, here he is hanging out with a character from the MCU. Like, right. it's crazy. It's really crazy. I mean, it's just a commercial, right? So it doesn't really mean anything. Um, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, obviously it happened because Taika Waititi is in, um, is in Free Guy. Yes, him and Ryan Reynolds, obviously, is in well, it. Yeah, well, and, star yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, Ryan Reynolds loves being Deadpool. They know that Deadpool is a big draw and it's going to get a lot of attention if he shows up somewhere and they do an ad like this. It's going to really catch on. People are like, oh, wow. And it's a good ad. It's fun. It's a fun little bit. It is. It's, I mean, I didn't watch it, but everybody oh, no, it, so, it's It's no. very funny. It's very I, well I done. Just, I, I can't imagine watching it. It's good. I'm sure it's really cute, but I just yeah. cannot imagine. It's just it's the level of advertising within advertising that is just too too much for me i can't it's yeah. it's it's too rich it's too rich for my palate okay well there you go there you go and any other marvel news that's it that's it for news so last week on this show we talked about frog thor and i fucked up and i said bad information about frog thor i thought we discussed this already didn't we did we discuss this already i don't think we did that it's not throg that it's it, 
Yeah, uh, there is. Th- so there is a frog. Thor does become a frog. Uh, I fucked up the thing. I was just so. I have not read the original comics in uh, in decades, probably. Yeah, and I was going off of half remembered things and quick. Google I mean, searches. I, I think with both of us, you look, you see Thor as a frog, and you think, oh, it's Throg. Like that is your, everyone's first thought, I would think. So, um, but the important thing is that there is a Walt Simonson storyline where Loki does turn Thor into a frog, and so, yes. um, and that is where the origin of all of this. And uh, yeah, so that's the most important thing. I, I just, I want to own up to making an error last week, um, and I don't love making errors. Uh, so, that, but it's that's important to own up when you do make them. Yes, it is. So, speaking of errors. The biggest error we've ever made is doing jokes and trivia, so let's keep it up. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, what's going on? Why did I go to the wrong page? Oh, no. Derek is having technical difficulties. Oh, all right, here we go. Since 2002, three different actors have played Spider-Man across eight films. Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. I think in the future we should turn these into questions. Like I maybe I could be stumped. Yeah, but some of these it would be rough because like this next one, there's definitely more people that should be okay. mentioned here. But you know, so it's a uh, Wonder Woman, Captain America, Loki, Conan the Barbarian, Black Widow, Storm, and Superman are all deemed worthy to wield Thor's hammer. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, there's more people though. So at this point, pretty much everybody has picked up that hammer, which is kind of annoying. Uh, for a brief time, Godzilla, the Transformers, and Fu Manchu were all included in the Marvel Universe. It's true. Yes. The Avengers uh, and S.H.I.E.L.D. fought Godzilla. Yes. And, and S.H.I.E.L.D. regularly fought. That was like who was chasing Godzilla around in the in Godzilla, the comic, comic. In the Godzilla yeah. comic. Yeah. And also 2001 was part of the Marvel Universe, right? Because Machine Man. Yeah, Machine Man. The character of Machine Man came out of the 2001 comic. Um, yeah. And the, Machine Man is still technically in the MCU. Yeah. Oh, no, and, the Marvel Comics Universe, I should say. Yeah. And then there's something with Micronauts where they're not Marvel, but they are in Marvel. I, I can't quite Yeah, it's a very that. complicated thing. I mean, like, so the thing that's really interesting is that back in the day, um, when they were doing these comics, the comic people made up all the story. So, like, they had these toys, and the toys, the toys had no story. Yeah. And they just were toys. And then the comic people made up the story. So, like, G.I. Joe, Larry Hama, who wrote the G.I. Joe comic, he made up all of the things you know about G.I. Joe. Like, yeah, he everything wrote – you know about G.I. Joe. He wrote all the, the little cards on the back of the boxes. He mm-hmm. wrote the comics. And I think Michael Golden is the name of the, the artist who designed a lot of them as well. So it's like pretty comic. wild. Um, I want to go off on a tangent here. Every time I see the Snake Eyes trailer, I get really mad. Did you see the the one that opens with Larry Hama? No, I have not. Oh, I saw that one in the theater in front of uh, uh, Fast Nine. Like, does he do like an intro? Yes. Oh, I have not seen that. Yeah, he's like, it's very different from what we did in the comics, but it keeps the same feeling and it keeps what's the core importance of the characters. Well, you know what? I'm glad to hear it because that's exactly what pisses me off about it. Because I think Snake Eyes is like a perfectly is a perfect character in a lot of ways. Like, like there's certain things you have to change about him. Like what? Like in the comics, he's a blonde haired, blue eyed white guy who becomes a ninja, and that's just but not going to play that's, well. Now. But that's but you know you never see Snake Eyes, so it doesn't even matter. Do you know what I mean? Like who cares what color he is, what race he is? Like make him yeah. whatever race you want. Doesn't matter because you never see his fucking face, right? Um, but like in the comics, his origin is so perfect. And there's no reason that it couldn't be updated for the modern world. And instead, it seems to have been turned into something really goofy. 
that I kind of am super – every time the trailer plays, my girlfriend looks at me and goes, are you going to be okay? Because I, <laughs> I have like a reaction. It's hard not to because Snake Eyes, being a kid in the 80s, Snake Eyes was the coolest guy ever. Yeah. Because it was like, hey, here's this dude. He's horribly scarred. He's mute. And he's the greatest ninja of all time. And you're like, what? That's crazy. And then they're like, oh, and by the way, here's this other dude, the evil version of him called Storm Shadow. And he wears all white and he's cool too. And you're like, what is going on? This is crazy. But he was cool because he had a cool wolf and yep. um, he, he had a cool look. Like he, he cool just looked look. cool. He never spoke. Nope. And he was mute. And it was, well, we, we never knew. Like his, his origin eventually got revealed. But back in the early, early, I mean, I bought G.I. Joe number one, like, on the stands when yes. it came out. Yeah. So like I was following that story as it came out and we didn't know anything about his history. We knew that Scarlet and he had a history together, but we didn't really know anything else. And he and hung he out with, with oh, what was that guy's name? The the Inuit guy. Something Joe. We might have been Eskimo Joe. I mean, this was 1984, 85. So please uh, forgive Quinn me. Quinn the Eskimo. Was Quinn the Eskimo. Yes. After the song, I guess. Right. But so, I think that was a little bit later. That was like issue six or something like that. Yeah, so that like, was like five very, or six, but in I the very beginning, he was this mysterious figure. Eventually his origin got told, but even his origin was really cool. He was in Vietnam and he was badly, um, he was badly mutilated uh, in the war and he lost the ability to speak. Um, and so he's this strong, silent guy who with a fucked up face, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's sort of the, He's sort of the the prototype for a lot of other kinds of like cool, dangerous characters. Yes. Except the thing is, is that he's not gritty. And no. because he didn't talk, he's not full of like uh, uh, pathos or whatever. He's just like business, but he's not mean about it. And it's like no. really kind of a cool thing. And then this movie just looks like it's going to be a bunch of horse shit. But what do I know? Yeah. They, by the way, if, if you're out there and you've never read the original G.I. Joe comics by Larry Hama, they are crazy yeah they're really good they're like they're not afraid to kill off characters all the time there's like yep that guy's dead and like the second or third issue the the gi joe base gets the uh called the pit gets bombed by cobra and a bunch of people get trapped underground for like five issues and it's crazy i think you're exaggerating a little bit but uh it is pretty cool yeah i just recently reread all these because they put out a trade paperback and i bought it i have them on Um, comiXology i have the first uh, two volumes but uh, it is excellent and has nothing to do with Loki. Do you no. think that we should start talking about Loki? I guess so. Let's do it. Season one, episode six for all time, always. So, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. I went from really liking this episode to disliking this episode to liking this episode. I went from being bland on this episode to on my second watch being like, oh, this is goddamn genius. (laughs) So... So that's Uh, my stance. We open with like a 2001 light show... Uh, made up mostly of clips from previous Marvel properties. Yeah, it's definitely all lines from other stuff, right? And then there's some songs that I couldn't quite place. I don't know where they're from. 
And uh, we come through this, and then we come out uh, with Loki and Sylvie as they have come to the Citadel at the end of time. And they're pulling a Sam and Frodo, and they're walking up the mountain. They are. And in the sky, we see a beam of light that surrounds them, and this is the sacred timeline. This is, this is it, and that's the yeah. thing. And they go to the door, and they're like, this is it. We made it all the way. And Sylvie's like, are you going to stop me from busting down this door? And before they can even do that, the door opens all by itself. And they go inside, and they meet Miss Minutes. Yes. And Miss Miss Minutes is like, listen, congrats on making it this far. Um, he who remains wants to offer you an opportunity. He, he'll send you both back into the timeline. You'll get to live the lives you've always wanted. Um, but like you just, you know, just give up now and we'll do this for you. And she's like, listen, Loki, you'll win the battle in New York. You could become the king of Asgard. You'll be able to kill Thanos. And she says, Sylvie, you can go live with your family and you will have a lifetime of happy memories that we'll give you. And they decide that they don't want to do it. They, uh, in classic Loki fashion, sort of want to be the authors of their own destinies. Yes. So then uh, back at the TVA, um, Ravona Renslayer is uh, downloading all kinds of shit to her temp pad because she knows that things have gone pretty fucking south. And as she's doing this, Mobius busts into the office and he's got his like, he's got the baton. Well, and- before that, she's downloading this stuff and Miss Minute shows up to her. Right. And is like, is like, oh, sorry, it's taking a little while to get this stuff downloaded. And Ravona looks at it and goes and says, hey, this isn't the stuff I asked for. And Miss Minute says, no, this is what he thinks you'll need. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a season two setup, right? I mean, that's. Because we don't, after this scene, we don't see performance later ever again. So uh, Mobius comes in and he is like, uh, you know, guess guess who's back? I made it. Um, and they had this argument about like the nature of the TVA, an argument they've had a couple of times before that we've had a couple of times before in the show. And um, she tries to uh, get the Minutemen to come. But Mobius is like, too late. I've already let them in on the whole thing. And uh, we have a sort of a cutaway to Hunter B-15 showing up in 2018 Ohio, and she's luring these Minutemen to her. She's purposefully creating a Nexus event so that they come, and she leads one of the Minutemen to the office in the school. And it's I guess she's the – is she the principal? I think it's vice principal. And guess what? It's fucking Renslayer as just a regular person. And B-15's like – See, that's Renslayer. Like, we're regular people. We got to talk about this. Um, this is a pretty good bit where Mobius goes to try to fight Renslayer. Yes. And she just immediately de- de- demolishes him. Like, it's not even, she doesn't even put any effort into it. Yeah. Um, I will, well, I like it because she knocks him down and then and she takes his stick, his disintegration stick, prune stick, whatever you want to call it. And he's laying there and goes, oh, here we are again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, I like, I like that Mobius kept his sense of humor. Um, and so she's like, okay, I'm fucking out of here. I'm just taking off. And she takes off with the temp pad and goes through a portal and we never well, see her again. But what's interesting, she, she opens up the portal and he says, where are you going to go? And she says, I'm going to go look into this free will stuff. Right. But she's not doing that. Well, so because the premise is the argument they have is that nobody has free will. And she says the only person who gets to have free will is the guy that runs this thing. Yes. That's the only free will that matters. So when she says, I'm going to look into this free will stuff, she's basically telling us, I'm going to go find out who's running this thing. Yes. But we know that's not what she's doing. How do we know that? Because Miss Minutes tells us that she's been given information that the the one who lived or whatever gives her. He like, who remains. Right, he but who remains. she may just be giving her the information where to find him. 
I don't think so because we know what happens to him. We know what happens to this one. Yes, that's true. That's true. So I would not be so quick to be sure. I suspect that well, he gave uh, her information. Where to my find point, her my point is, is that she's not doing free will. She's still being led by somebody. Well, right. But what she says, she's not, she's not doing free will. She says she's going to look into the free will. And yeah. that's a reference to he who remains because he is the only person with free will is the yes. argument that has been made in this scene between her and Mobius. Yes. And then this yeah. is the last time we see real Mobius, right? Um, or like Mobius that we know. No, we see him one more time. Okay. But it's real quick. It's a real quick bit. Um, so Loki and Sylvie are um, walking through the Citadel, and they come to this door and opens it up, and there is da -da -da -da, Jonathan Majors, who we know has been cast as Kang the Conqueror for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And so it is revealed unto us who have read the trades, Kang is the guy behind it all. Yes, although they never call him Kang in this. No, he said say he's had many nicknames over the years, including Conqueror, and Kang yes. the Conqueror is the character's is name. The, yeah. Um, so he is, but he is he's Kang, right? So um, this, I was legitimately shocked by this. I, I'm torn on it. I, I will get into that. I think, but I don't know if this is. I, I feel like it breaks the format of the show in a way that I'm not a big fan of. Like, I feel like it should have been a Loki. Well, that's the thing. So when I say that I liked the show, then I didn't like it, then I liked it again. My my thing is I got really caught up in it being Kang, and I was really excited, and I was excited about all the stuff they talk about. But then I began to think about it as the show. Yeah. And I said, okay, let me take a step back from my mental illness of being a Marvel fan, and let me think about this as a narrative, right? So just as a narrative all on its own, I said, ooh, this doesn't feel right. Like, this guy is coming technically out of nowhere. This is the con reveal from Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. Except that, at least to be fair, it is not played – I think they, they, never, they don't call classic Loki and be like, who is this guy? <laughs> Right. And <laughs> exactly. And, and, and like, he doesn't like in, like in Star Trek Into Darkness, he's like, my name is Khan. And like, it's like a beat, you know what I mean? And that's not the case here. Like, I think he never, even says, this, he never says his name. I think if you're watching this, and you're not a, a comic person. You, it doesn't matter to you, but it does feel weird to introduce the man behind the curtain and have never seen him before. Because even in the Wizard of Oz, we've met the man behind the curtain. You know, yeah. like that's, a, that's an important piece of it is setting him up in the first act. Yeah. And, it does feel like thematically it should have been a Loki. I mean, just not, I'm not saying story wise, but just the thematics of the piece. I mean, comic book wise, this feels like the kind of thing where in a comic, you would never actually see him. He'd be in like three panels in, in like silhouette. And he'd be like, I'm the one behind it all. And soon you'll find out who I am. And then it'd be like, read Avengers number 257 to find right. out who is the, who is the man in charge. And right. so kicks off the Corvax saga or something, you know, like that kind of deal. Yeah, but it's weird to have it in a TV show. It's weird. It's really strange, and um, it, it's hard because I have to try to imagine myself as a, as a regular person. And like, how do I, as a regular person, have spent five episodes dealing with Loki variants and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden it's just some dude? Yeah. Uh, even though he's got a compelling backstory, he's still some dude. And it's kind of weird. I wonder if there's people out there that don't know the comics that watch this and we're like, oh, he's just he's got a green cloak. He's a Loki. You know, if that's their thought process. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if they watch that closely, though. I don't you know. know what I mean, I don't know. Um, so 
but yeah, so once that once we see that it's Jonathan Majors, the game is up. Like we all now we know what's happening. Like it's like the rest of the episode in some way for those of us who know the comics, it's a little bit um you know it's going you know it's coming. Like it's not there's not like a big mystery afoot. Like we're not yeah. like, like, who is this guy? What is his plan? I always Kang is from the 31st century and he wants to rule all the time. Like, okay, I got it. Uh, but, uh, but there's still a lot of episode to go. Like a lot, a lot of episode like, to like go. Like another 30 minutes or so. Yeah. More than that. I think More at this point. Yeah. And, um, we see that he has like, um, time. He can, he can like zip around in time. So Sylvie tries to kill him. And every time he tries to get near, she, she gets near him. He zips around in time. And just avoids it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I want to talk about Jonathan Major's performance here. Not a fan of it. It's an interesting choice. Really it's hope an, that's not what Kang's going to be like. Well, so here's the thing. So I guess, I mean, I, I'm not going to say spoilers because you're not, you should not be listening to this if you haven't watched the whole episode. But since he dies at the end. Yeah. And then we know the next Kang we're going to meet is going to be a variant Kang. He's not locked into this performance. Yes. So yeah. this Kang that we're meeting here, at one point, Loki does say he's insane. And yeah, oh, he, I mean, he's definitely like you get the sense that he's been sitting in this this castle alone for millennia. Right. right. So he's gone mad. Like we get that idea. I have no problem with that. I'm just like, I'm just like, man, I really hope. The, the Kang that will be in the movies and whatnot is different than this. Is it like he's going to play it different? I mean, it seems plausible, right? Because it's going to be a different Kang that we're going to meet. Yeah. At a different point in his journey. Yes. I mean, like in the comics, this would, this would have been Immortus. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, would have been Old Man Kang. That would have been, that's what it would have been. But I think that this is already confusing enough, <laughs> like, in, 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 for regular people to in- introduce Immortus as, like, the future version of him. This doesn't, that's too much. Um, but he plays him kind of big. He's kind of, he's kind of big. But what I think is really interesting is as I was watching it, and that's, there's a lot of talking. This is another episode with an awful lot of people talking. And there's just people sitting at a desk talking, which, like, crazy yeah. that you're six part big expensive uh, prestige series going to end with three people at a desk talking. I loved it. Um, but I realized if I took his dialogue and put it on a comic book page, it actually does sound like what I think Kang should sound like. It's just the way that he is choosing to deliver the lines. Yes. Yes. Like he's not doing, he does like jokey stuff or whatever, um, which we, anybody listens to the black widow episode of Watchmen will learn is your least favorite thing about the Marvel stuff. Um, he does jokey stuff, but he also does speak in grandiose terms. It's just that majors is playing it with sort of an impish quality. Yeah. 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 And I would say he's not even being jokey. I think impish is the thing. He's playful. He's, it reminded me a lot of, uh, Lex Luthor in the Snyder movies. That's the sense I got from it. Yeah. You know, which for some reason I liked it in with the Snyder justice league stuff, like Superman stuff. I, I like, you're a Snyder bro. No, I'm definitely not. Cause I did not like the four hour cut of justice league. We discussed that on I Watchmen I and I don't like Batman V Superman. And I have major issues with man of steel. But uh, I think it's just because it was such a different form of Lex Luthor than we've ever seen. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. They're going a different pathway. Like they've updated him to be, you know, your tech boy kind of thing. That's fun. Right. And just I don't know. With Kang, I was like, I'm not feeling that for Kang personally. 
Well, again, the, the thing was that for me, I thought it was interesting and I could let it go because I'm not convinced that this is going to be his take on the character. Yes. I mean, it, probably, it actually probably will be. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I think that I mean, I'm sure he's just going to play it this way, but I, I hope but, not. Uh, he sits them down and he gives them like a ton of backstory here. He gives a lot of exposition. He explains that he's from the 31st century and that um, in the 31st century, he is a scientist who discovers that uh, there are other uh, realities uh, above and below his own. Yeah. And he discovers that there's all these like branching realities and he discovers a way to breach them and he meets other versions of himself. And for a while, it's like a big uh, mutual admiration society. But eventually you get further down the branches and you begin finding versions of yourself that are not so nice. And as a result, he ended up finding versions of himself that were pretty wicked and uh, a grand multiversal war broke out between the Kangs. It was the Kangs. So it was originally the Council of Kangs. The Council of Kangs is a thing from the comics because there's always Kang variants and sometimes they'll get together and like have meetings. Um, And he sort of basically talks about that, that at the beginning it was like the Council of Kangs, but eventually it became this all-out multiversal time war. And all of reality was almost destroyed in the process. Um, except that this one Kang, it seems like the one that we're speaking to here, discovered Alioth, which is this creature that eats sort of time and space. And he harnessed Alioth, and he was able to use Alioth to end the um, end the war. Yes. And there's a thing that he talks about here, and I'm not really 100% sure. He creates a TVA after this. I think I at the end of the episode, we see this timeline branching out into infinite you know, possibilities, but is, did he destroy every other possibility previous to this? Or did he just isolate his own timeline using Alioth? I mean, they, they said that he destroyed everything, but we also know everything about the TVA is a lie. So it's how the TVA works and how the branching works and all that just does not make much sense. I mean, the branching, I think makes perfect sense. I, that I don't have a problem with. I'm just not so sure from his discussion here, whether or not at the end of but, the multiverse war, he actually did destroy every other multiverse or if he just cut off the one timeline that he has. And that but, just has like made it an Island unto itself. But what I'm saying is like, cause their whole thing is like, Hey, you're variants. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. But you know, they didn't come for Sylvie until she was, much older, like there's 20 different Lokis out there. Like classic Loki lived the entire life of Loki. So where, you know, he variant, he became a variant far later, which is very odd if there's no multiverse, if it's all just one universe. Well, no, there, well, no, it's every timeline is always branching. Their job is to stop it from branching. They're basically, their job is to make it unnatural. The natural nature of the timeline is to branch that every decision that you make, there's an alternate version of you that makes a different version of that decision. Yes. And this is the basic theory between uh, about you know branching realities and timelines and stuff like that. That every yeah. decision that you could make in a moment, you do make. There is a reality where you put down the microphone and just walk out your door and get on a plane and go to Hawaii. Yeah. It's somewhere it exists because that's a decision that you make in some alternate reality. So that's just the, so according to theory, that is the nature, natural state of the universe. And so they are making this natural state of the universe not correct. It's always going to be branching. There's always going to be nexus events. There's always something for them to do. But the premise is they're trying to keep it streamlined to this one thing that he has decided upon. And I'm guessing that what he's decided upon is a version of time that will lead to the 31st century where he does not do all this stuff. I'm guessing. I don't know. We don't know that. For but sure. Which is one thing I was wondering is like, is he 
trying to recreate his universe. That's what I'm assuming. He's trying to make yeah. it his timeline and yeah. be his timeline and just his timeline. So that's why stuff like Infinity War can happen because it probably did happen in his yeah. in his 31st century. That's yeah. in his history books, right? So, but the question I have though is that when the multiverse war ended, there's two options. Either he just literally destroyed every other uh, timeline. And the way that the show talks about pruning, none of them are actually destroyed. They're just sent to Alioth. But, or is the other option that he cut off all the branches in such a way that his timeline became just an island? There are multiverses upon multiverses outside of here. Yeah. But none of them touch this one. Yeah. Do you okay. know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know. I don't, but like, like, it's, like <laughs> he built a source wall. Essentially, yes. Yeah. But I don't know which one is the actual thing. Um, but no. um, so he tells them that basically what it is is that um, the TVA exists for this reason uh, because it, the whole point of the TVA is to make sure this multiversal war never happens again because it got so bad last time everything almost ended. And Sylvie just does not believe it. And so he says, listen, you got two choices here. One, you can kill me. And the minute that you kill me, you're going to unleash a gazillion – alternate timelines and a gazillion versions of me. And I'm the nice one. Like you don't want to meet the bad one. There's other ones that are going to be way worse, or you could take over the TVA and run things. And Loki is like, why would you want to do that? Like you run the universe. Like why do you want to give it up? And he's like, I'm, I'm just so fucking tired, man. Like I just been doing this forever and this is not fun and I'm bored and I'm exhausted and this is a young man's game and I'm old. I'm older than you can even imagine. Yes. And he's like, you guys, you're the perfect, you're the perfect candidates to take, take over for this. And uh, he's like, you know, you can make the – decide the fates of all these different timelines. You have the chance to really um, you know, make all the choices. And then as it happens, we hear this noise and he realizes that they've crossed, quote unquote, the threshold – Yes, he no longer knows what will happen. Yeah, up until then, he pulls out a script of like, he pulls out the, basically the script of the show and yes. says to them at one point, like, I know everything you're going to say and do. But now we've now crossed a point where he no longer knows what they're going to say or do. My question to you is, do you think he's lying? No, I don't. I don't think he's lying. Because if he is, uh, the actor really tricked me because he plays it as if there's a weight off his chest, like for the first time ever. I don't know what's going to happen. And this is different and exciting. And I feel relief. It is interesting. Although I wonder if I'm, I'm very curious, you know, he knows what's going to happen on a really, on a really micro level before the threshold. Like he knows everything that Sylvie's going to say. Yeah. But I wonder if he knows on a macro level, what happens after the threshold. Like he knows that he's going to die. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder, he doesn't know how he doesn't know how it's going to play out. But he does know that he's going to die. Like I'm curious. I'm curious how much of what happens next is a game, and how much of it's not a game. He he might know that he's not going to be in charge anymore because either option, he's no longer running things, right? And that's what he knows. But beyond that, he he doesn't know what that means for him. Well, in Although the background, he seems to want to die. I he mean, does seem to want to die. He does seem like he's done. Um, in the background, we see the timeline beginning to branch out already. Like we can see the branches forming. Um, yeah. There's like some major branches forming already. And But Silly just thinks he's still full of shit. And so she goes and tries to kill him. And Loki gets in the way. And they have this big fight scene, this big fight slash talking scene, which is a very comic booky thing, which a lot of comic book movies don't give us. No. 
which is that in comic books, the characters will often have a big fight and they will not be shutting up the whole fucking time. Yeah, there's tons of dialogue as they battle. You know, like a zillion. Yeah, it's like three fucking, five fucking uh, word balloons per, per panel as they're trading blows and energy blasts and stuff. Um, and they kind of give us that thing here. I was kind of excited that they're having like this discussion and this debate as they're fighting. Um, and I, I thought the fight was pretty fun. Yeah, I you know, I could have done without it. At all? No fight at all? Yep. Hmm. You know, I think the fight is important and I think that the fight works and I think the fight is fun. And I think that I'm not saying it doesn't work. I I just, I, I wouldn't have minded if instead of a fight, it was trickery. It was more Loki as trickery, you know, is what happens. But well, that's what I kind of liked about it was that I wasn't sure what was happening. Yeah. Right. Like I wasn't really sure what Loki was doing, what he was up to. There's a great line in the fight where Loki says, you can't trust me or you, you can't, you can't trust you can't trust, and I, and can't, I be can't be trusted. And that's a great line. It's really great. And it really brings down the, it's one of those things like when you have your heroes fight, they need to have a good reason to be fighting. They, and usually you'll fight because of a misunderstanding or whatever, but it's better when they have a good reason. And this is the good reason. She has no ability to trust because of the nature of her life. And yeah. he is just the most untrustworthy being in the universe. Yes. And there's a point where he's like, I can't believe you don't believe me. And he kind of then realizes, oh shit, yeah, I'm Loki. Of course you don't yeah. believe me. I'm like, how could you believe me? There's yeah. no way to believe me. And, um, uh, and but he does this. What's really interesting though is that because you're not really sure if he's playing a game or not, when he says to her, "All that I care about is making sure that you're okay," because he says to her, "Like we're making a really big fucking decision about the fate of the entire universe right here. Yes. We should maybe think about it for a minute. Like we should not just leap directly in. We might want to like consider it for a minute because the yeah. ramifications are enormous." And um, but then what he does bring it down to is that personal level. It's not that he cares about the universe. He only cares about the universe because she lives in it. Uh, I disagree. I mean, that's what he says to her, though. That's what he says to her, but I think there's more to it. Well, yes, I think it's interesting. And when I was watching the episode, this is one of the things where towards the end of the episode, I became very irritated about it. And then in the mid-credit sequence, I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine now. Um, Because I thought this was going to be sort of just another Marvel limited series. Yes, yeah. Like, I thought it needed to have an ending. Yeah. And it doesn't have an ending. And no. at first, and there's a lot of stuff in this sequence, especially where I was like, man, we are not wrapping things up. We're not wrapping up any elements of the story. And, and while I understand that the premise is these characters will continue to have story going forward, you need some level of wrapping up at the end of the movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we're, we were not getting it. And I, I, I thought we were getting into the thing I hate most of all in comics that happens quite often these days where there's a epic miniseries. And at the end of the epic miniseries, it says, get ready for this coming that miniseries that, that finally concludes everything. And you're like, I just write a seven issue miniseries that just ends with a cliffhanger to another miniseries. Like, what are you doing? Stop well, it. I was really worried that we were going to end up in a situation where Loki at the end of the fucking thing here decides to grab a temp pad and throw himself back in time. Oh yeah, and maybe. make sure this thing never even happens. Yeah. That's the big fear in a time travel story: is that some fucking person thinks it's super clever to have the finale be, "Oh, I have to stop this from ever happening in the first place." I'm like, yes. "Oh, we've just been jerking off for six episodes." Then <laughs> the Back to the Future two phenomenon. 
Yeah, and it's but that's like okay because like you create like a um, yeah they're, they're, they, a truly horrific dystopia. Yeah, how do you solve it? But in this, like, the only way to save Sylvie is to pull Stop myself, myself. Yeah. from ever being here because she was doing fine without me. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I was afraid of. Or anyway, she she would not have succeeded without me. So if I'm not here. She right or whatever get, it do is. This. Yeah. And so, but that's not what happens. What happens, he says to her, all I care about is making sure that you're okay. And they have a big kiss. Yes. Big, big romantic kiss. And then um she does the Loki thing, which I yes. really liked. Yeah. She opens a temp a time door and fucking tosses him through it. Yeah, I like that. It was really, really good. Like, because you're waiting for Loki to betray her, and then she more or less betrays Loki. I mean, betrays a big word here. But she pulls a twist to Rooney. Yeah. And I think it's a good twist to Rooney. I agree. And so does Kang. He's very impressed by it. He's very excited. Yeah. He's like, uh, There's a really good bit though where um, they're fighting and they're kissing and you have Kang in soft focus in the background and he is like really wrapped with yes. attention. He's so excited to be watching this because he doesn't he know doesn't what's going to happen. Yeah. He yeah. does not know what's going to happen. So it's exciting yeah. for him. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, Loki is trapped back in the TVA and um, Sylvie gets her sword. And they, she has a little bit of a conversation with uh, he who remains. And uh, she does the deed. She kills him. But before she does, he gives her a wink. And yep. he says, see you soon. Yes. And uh, he, Which uh, he also references earlier where they're like, well, what will happen? He's like, well, you kill me. There's going to be another multiversal war. And sooner or later, I end up right back here. Right, exactly. He's like, he's yeah. like reincarnation. It's all going to yes. happen again. He's like, you know, I'm not afraid of dying. She's like, aren't you afraid of dying? And he goes, no, because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to end up right back here again. Like, this is the way it's going to go. Like, uh, so <laughs> she kills him and she has this deep emotional outburst because she is her whole purpose in life. She is fulfilled now. And as this happens, we see that the sacred timeline truly erupts into a gazillion branches, just these fractal, unbelievable, infinite branches come out of the sacred timeline. 63 branches in this section alone. Yeah. We come back to the TVA and uh, Mobius and B-15 yeah. are watching the branches go which, crazy. Which I believe this is the last time we see the Mobius we know. The Do you Mobius think this is not already the new Mobius? No. No, I don't think so. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, we see, I, I I don't think it's him because I'm pretty sure in the background you can see statues of the the time the timekeepers. I'm pretty sure. Well, they're watching all this branch out. See, the reason why I don't think so is because he specifically says, "So does he want us to let this happen?" Oh, he does say that, doesn't he? Yeah. So I think that this is already mm. um, a new timeline. Okay. Um, so, uh, Loki is upset and he runs off, um, and he runs through the TVA and everybody's on high emergency alert because it's just fucking red lines all the way. And, um, he runs into the library and finds Mobius and B-15. He's like, listen, she, she did it. She killed him. Um, we got to fix this. Everything is truly out of control. And Mobius like, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. So you're an analyst. What's your name? And Loki's like, what are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and they're like, okay, call some security over here. And Loki turns around and sees that the usual statues of the timekeepers that are in the library are gone, replaced by a statue of Kang. Yes. And that's the end of the season. Yes. 
So and like I, my and I, and I was real angry, and then the post credits thing just says season two coming soon. I was like, oh okay, yeah. So it's really fascinating to me because part of the way through this episode, again, like I said at the beginning, I was like, this is not right. This is not the conclusion to this story. Like we're not ending the story. I'm really kind of mad about this. Like this is not right. This is the thing that everybody complains about Marvel that I think doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Where everybody's like, all these things do is set up the next movie. I'm like, that's not true. Like they, 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 they tell their little stories and then they also like leave openings for the next thing or whatever, but they tell their own little stories. Like generally yeah. speaking, at the end of a movie, the main story of that movie is essentially over. Yeah. And the main character has had some kind of an emotional journey of some sort. Like it's not like always the most richest and it isn't always it, like. It's, it's the same as any movie. Like I, I've seen people complain about this recently. Like, the last couple of days as the new Marvel movie comes out and there's shows and people make the same complaints of like, like it just never ends. It just goes into the next thing. And it's like, yeah, but that's every movie. It's not like at the end of lethal weapon, they were like, and everybody's dead. And that's the end of the universe. Like, right. It's like lethal weapon ends. They go, well, well, Riggs Murtaugh turns out we've defunded the police. So you yeah. can go home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like yeah, you if there's if always live, if people are live at the end of the story, there's oh, you can always bring yeah. them back. Yeah, even if they're not technically. But uh, I'm just saying, like in your basic movies, like yeah, yeah, you can always do a sequel. You can always do more. There's always another story to tell because you, unless you literally kill literally every single character, and then even then you can tell tell a sequel about somebody investigating the deaths of all these characters. You know, like, there's always something Help. you can they, do. They made a whole Bourne movie without Jason Bourne. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, you could definitely pull that off. Like it, yeah, the, the, those complaints are always, I think really hollow and dopey. Um, and they almost always are about the mid, the, the mid and post credit sequences, which is, which are placed in a spot where you can just easily ignore them. And Marvel like, usually ignores them themselves. And Marvel actually ignores them themselves. Yeah. So, um, but this episode, I was like, fuck, this is actually doing the stuff that everybody complains about. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe this is doing the stuff that everybody complains about. But then at the end when it says Loki return in season two, I was like, oh, okay, this is just a cliffhanger. This is just a standard TV cliffhanger. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. I don't need the story to wrap up. This is no. just season one. We got to a place. Yeah, th th this now, is not Penny's boat. That's what this is. Exactly. This is yeah. – yeah, it's just the next reversal for the next season. That's totally cool. Way yeah. into it. But it was when I was like, oh, you're just not ending the story. That was – that I was like kind of mad. I was like, oh my god, you're really leaving it like this and then just throwing it off into Doctor Strange? Like just like – just handing it off clumsily to Dr. Strange or I guess to Spider-Man, I guess you're clumsily handing it off, but that's not necessarily the case because Loki's going to come back and do stuff next season. Yeah. Although when next season is, I don't know. Yeah. We, we have no idea. And I don't know. Do you think it'll be before Ant-Man Quantumania? I don't. Because they're, they're filming Ant-Man Quantumania now. And as far as I know, they're not filming Loki season two. So, Unless they are and nobody knows about it, which would be quite impressive. It wouldn't be crazy, actually, if that was the case. I think there's been a lot of stuff lately where we just have no idea something was filming. And then, uh, you know, it's just all of a sudden somebody's doing like shooting on the street and they realize, what, that's – wait, hold on. That's Hawkeye. <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? Like I think that's happened a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they've been shooting stuff for the Echo spinoff of Hawkeye. Oh, yeah? Wow. yeah? I think like it's – I think there's stuff going on that we don't necessarily 100% know about. Sure. Um, so maybe, I don't know. Um, but Ant-Man Quantum Mania, I think is 2023, right? I thought it was 2022. I don't know. Let me look this up. 
Because that seems like a very long time to, to wait. February 2023. Wow, that is a long time from now. So it seems plausible that Loki season two will happen in 2022. Yeah, yeah. That really seems like a yeah. No, I, 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 for some reason, I thought Ant Man was summer twenty twenty two. So it makes sense you would think that because they're gearing up to shoot right now. So I thought they, I like, I thought they were already well into shooting. I think they've begun but, shooting. Okay, um, but I don't know how well into they are. Yeah. Um. But hey, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. Um. So that's the thing. So this might actually have a whole wrap up even before we get to Quantumania. Yes. Like I'm, I'm kind of curious about it now. How that's going to work out? I feel like it kind of needs to in some fashion, because obviously it seems like you would just pick up right where this left off. So you don't want to have a bunch of movies come out dealing with the multiverse and then go back to Loki and be like, by the way, this is what happened. You're going to have at least two movies dealing with the multiverse before we come back to Loki. But I mean, like Kang multi, like multiverse. Like I don't think Kang's in. Doctor Strange or Spider Man? Well, we don't think we so. Don't, we don't know for sure, but I mean, wouldn't it be surprising to find Kang show up in the post credit sequence of either of those, or to show up in the middle of Doctor Strange? I would not be surprised at all. He just takes over the Stan Lee role. Well, the thing is, because he's a time traveler, right? So, like, there's yeah. no reason he can't show up anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's a it, there's a there, there's a lot of possibility, um, but I am I am curious about it from in terms of just the narrative of this show because yeah. uh that's that's what i'm really really curious about like what the how the narrative of this show is going to work in season two what kang's presence in that is going to be if any yeah um how that how that's all going to work uh I, I really was so stunned to see kang i was really truly stunned like i because this is the kind of thing that people talk about on message boards but they never do in the movies or tv shows no no it was pretty shocking i really they, thought it was just going to be a, a loki like, like I had over the past week convinced myself, like, it's going to be classic Loki. He tricked them. Like, he didn't kill them. He didn't die. He right. tricked them. Like, even I saw somebody on Reddit or Twitter be like, think about what he said earlier. He said that he tricked Thanos to thinking he died by making himself look like uh, inanimate trash. What happens when Alioth devours him? There's inanimate trash just left behind. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh. But nope. I guess he might be dead. Well, he might still be that inanimate trash. He might be the helmet. There's no. Yeah. They might have left that open on purpose. Yeah, yeah, I think they to, to pick up if if they want to later. Yeah. In season two, we would all be delighted to see him come back. Yes. Um. Also, it's a time travel show, so they could pick him up at any point in the timeline. Anyway. Yeah, anything could happen at any point. Um. And there's infinite multiverses now. So. Right. There's an infinite number of him out there to pick yeah. up. There's including those universes where he personally defeated Alioth. Yeah. And went went with them into the. Citadel at the end of time. Um, but uh, yeah. So why do you think Kang? So in the episode, Kang says that he laid all of the pavement for them to walk on that. Basically everything that happened in the show. He set up for them. Yes. Why them? Because I'm well, because Kevin Feige said he should have Loki should have a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised Kang's not wearing like a baseball hat the whole time because he is just Kevin <laughs> Feige. But uh, I, I mean, it's interesting. I didn't fully catch this until my second viewing of the episode. Kang is what Loki wants to be. Right. Right. I, I mean, Kang, like when we first meet Loki in Avengers, 
which is not the first time we meet him, but when we first run into him in Avengers and he's in Germany and he says to those people, he's like, he's like, I'm here to free you. And one of them's like, from what? He's like, from freedom. And now he's learned throughout this series, there is no freedom. There is no free will. Everything is decided by this one guy in the TVA. Right. And I was really surprised that at the end of the show, it did not end with Loki being like, I've learned that that's the wrong way to do things. At the end of the show, he's like, I don't know. Maybe we should just let this guy keep running everything. Or we should be the ones running. Or we should be the ones running. Like he's like, like he's saying it in a way of like, we, it could be so much worse if it's somebody else or blah, blah, blah. But it's also his whole thing. And he has not changed on that. And that's why it's really interesting that they chose to pull him from the battle of New York because there's other places they could have pulled him from in the timeline if they wanted to, um, including when I think it's, um, I think it's the end of dark world where he falls off the rainbow bridge. No, that's the end of uh, Avengers or of Thor. The first. That's Thor. the first Thor. Oh, okay. Because yeah. remember, the, the Rainbow Bridge gets destroyed, and then they never explain how it gets fixed. <laughs> that's, just, that's a good point. Uh, but that, that that's a point you could pull him from. Uh, you could pull him from really anywhere if you really wanted to in terms of the timeline. But they pull him specifically from the Battle of New York, and I think that you that point that you're making is exactly it. That in that point in time, Loki is a straight fascist, and he believes in rule by the strong. The weak need to be ruled, yeah, and that's Kang's whole thing. And I do think that because it's a TV series and not a TV event series, like not yeah. just a mini series, it's okay that he doesn't quite get all the way. At the I end. agree, I agree. Like he's halfway there. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like originally, initially, he was like, "Well, because these people are stupid and weak, and they need yeah. to be controlled." Now he's like, "Well, there's a lot of fucking chaos. People need to be protected." Yeah, and so he's on a journey. I think. Um, that well, I think will be interesting to see continue in season two. Yes. Because also he doesn't – he's in that space. Also what's really interesting with him is that he's a character who wants to rule everybody else, but he does not want to be ruled. Yes. So he wants absolute chaos and freedom for himself, but he believes everybody else should be bowing down before him. And so that's what makes him a really interesting character in a lot of ways, and that's what makes him good here at the end of this episode is that he wants to be the top dog, and here's the opportunity – this was his goal from the beginning of the series. Yes. Get close to the TVA to get close to the timekeepers and betray them and kill them and take over. That was his goal from the very first episode. Yeah. And he basically pretty much almost gets there. Yeah, he's right at he's right at the finish line. Um so uh so you like this episode? I did. I I really I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was really well done. And there's a little maybe a little too much circling in the middle of like, but what are you? This is what I am. But what are you? You know, like, all right, I get it. You know, we can keep moving forward here. But I imagine if, if you're somebody watching who doesn't know Kang or how multiverses and comics and stuff work, you could get easily confused. So maybe it's good to give a couple of examples. So, you know, that's on me. (laughs) Yeah, That's my issue. Uh, yeah, I ended up liking it a lot. Again, I began liking it. I got really excited with the Kang stuff and then I became really nervous that I was like, oh no, it's doing the thing that everybody says these movies and shows do. And then I think it didn't do it. Again, I think (laughs) because I've been so trained that each of these series so far have been one and dones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least completed. Like, like there might be another winter soul Falcon winter soldier season, but it feels like if that's it, okay, it's done. You know, like, yeah, you can just go do something else now if you want. But like this, the way, like when this ended, when the credits started, my first thought honestly was, 
We never even got to see Mobius on a on a jet ski. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing is that we were all watching this show with that perspective. That this was going to be a wrapped up at six episodes thing, and so we all expected to see Mobius on the jet ski at the end. Yeah. Um, but the good news is this means we get a second season more Mobius. Yes. Yes. Another chance for wow. Well, that's what, and that's what I think puts a lot of stuff into different perspectives. So, like in the second half, we should talk about this next week when we do a wrap up. But in the second half of the season, we get less Mobius. And it's like kind of a bummer. But now there's a second season; it's fine. Yes, yeah. There's a lot it, more it, opportunity. It makes, it makes it makes everything in retrospect be like, oh, okay, okay. You know, they clearly knew that they were going to do seconds. They didn't tell us, but they knew they were going to have more seasons. So this works fine. Although it'd be funny if, oh, like, two days before this aired, they were like, we should really do a second season. <laughs> there was a lot of talk about there being a second season very early, like in the process of this. A lot of rumors about second season. I think people signed up for multiple seasons. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, uh, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to see what happened to Sylvie because the last we see of her, she's just in that room watching the the variants break out and like with a dead Kang. So I'm I'm interested to see what she goes off and does because she doesn't take over since we see a Kang statue. Right. right. So I don't know. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to find out. There's a lot to talk about. We can talk about some of this next week. We'll do an, a wrap-up show um, like we always do with these shows where we'll yes. revisit the episodes and then sort of like talk about them as a whole. Yeah, I think they have the, the making of comes out, right? The so. making of comes out. We'll talk about that as well. So we'll like have all that stuff to talk about next week. And I think we're going to probably have a little hiatus on the Marvel Vision yeah. before What If comes out. I think we'll have like a one or two week hiatus, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll do What If. Very exciting. I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited about what if. I am too. I'm I'm very hopeful. Um, in the meantime, if you're listening to this, as, as I said at the beginning of the episode, we did a two-hour and 40-minute podcast about Black Widow. You can listen to all of that if you subscribe at the $5 and above level at the Patreon at cinemasanga.com. Oh, no, Jesus Christ. That's not it at all. Patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. $5 and above gets you that, gets you Marvel Vision, which is free, but you're helping support Marvel Vision, and it gets you The Bad Batch, our weekly Star Wars TV sh- uh, show podcast. And in the meantime, Derek. Well, real quick, don't forget what? to uh, you know rate us on, on iTunes. We never say do that. that. That's nice. Yeah. The rating us on iTunes would be a nice thing for you to do. We would yes. really appreciate it. If you cannot subscribe, but you do want to be supportive of the show, we would love some ratings and reviews. Only if they're good. If they're good. If they're bad, uh, just tweet at Derek and tell him what you don't like. Yeah, yeah. My DMs are open. Where where can they tweet at you? Uh, At WH underscore Woolhat. And you can find me on Twitter at DevonCF. And until next week, as we wrap up our Loki series, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, but most of all, may you be burdened with glorious purpose. Mm -hmm.